connecting, we're connected. Music is coming and we are getting started. So would we, Alvin. We're trying, buddy. I think you're just sitting back viewing the events these days. Uh, here we go on the Friday edition. Uh, Roger Sales, your host. Brent Winters, our co-host on Fridays. He's probably going to be here directly if he's not here already. And uh, it is the 17th of February, the, as I said, Friday edition. And we're streaming on both the EurofolkRadioNetwork.com network and the Radio.GlobalVoiceRadio.net network. Happy to be there. Might be on a couple of... Oh, okay, here you go. I was going to say maybe a couple <laughs> other ones. We're going to get informed here. Home network.tv and freedomnation.tv. That's just too much for me to remember. So anyway, I'm going to let Paul chime in on those. Uh, we're getting out a little bit, starting to touch people's lives, it seems like, from the emails I get and all that kind of stuff. So uh, did Brent show up yet? If not, he might be out still. Looking. He's here, but he's, he's, here? but he's still muted. He's still muted. Uh, Brent, try and unmute yourself. See, see if, if you, it'll work. See if you can. If not, I'll bring him in on Skype. So we can try Brent's muting on his little cell phone thing in. If we can't get that done, we'll bring him in on Skype through the cell phone thingy. Uh, so anyway, while we're struggling to get Brent up, um, boy, I'll tell you what, if there was a slap in the face that these bastards could give us, it's this, uh, Palestine, Ohio situation. Uh, that is just getting more acute by the minute. And I think the, you know, you look how these people react. That's what I've always learned to do. And, uh, they, some of you might not have heard this. Probably most of you have. The, uh, DeWine, I believe, and the, the Ohio folks, isn't that your governor, DeWine? I think that's his name. Okay. Uh, he, um, called the White House yesterday and asked for emergency funding for disaster stuff and they turned him down they turned down the state of ohio for any emergency relief from that disaster which a lot of indications are that it was intentional that's what i'm the feeling i'm getting from this and then the fact that they refused any emergency aid no no networks will cover it to any extent and uh, it is, uh, it looks like it was premeditated to me. Um, so just knowing the caliber and the things that these people that are enemies are, um, will do what links they'll go to. Uh, you're seeing it right there in East Ohio, unfortunately for those four poor people. Uh, and of course the, some of the, some of the back talk on it is is that was right there next to uh evidently it's prime farmland uh in that area and uh is very close to Amish country. And you can bet they've got their sights on the Amish here. Okay. 
um, because of their clean living and separate philosophy of separating themselves from all this modern-day technological chaos. But uh, that's a bad situation there, folks. I mean, it's it's pretty serious. And then none of the officials, they had a town hall meeting night before last. No government officials showed up. None. Not one. Okay. So a pretty serious situation and a very good indicator as to uh, what these people have, uh, at least in their planning, ahead of us here for the next couple of years. It's a very serious situation, I sense. So anyway, that's one thing that was on my mind this morning. Brent, did we get you unmuted yet, buddy? No, but we're working. Hey, Roger. On it. No, we're working on it. Yes. Uh, you called that the old. The, go ahead. No, go ahead, Bruce. Okay, uh, you you call that the old reign of terror? Government reigning terror on its people. Yep, that's exactly that's what it is. On. And these people are the masters of it. Uh, the reign of terror, of course, is a, a phrase lifted right out of the first effort they made at doing this so many years ago in France. Uh, and Robespierre and his bunch and everything that happened there. And I would remind you guys, it's one of those things I picked up from John's lectures that stuck with me. Um, the uh, the word bureaucrat comes from that incident. Okay, And in France, this is the first time, I think it probably was originally pioneered in Rome, but these people took it to a whole new level there in the French Revolution. And um, that was the first time they instituted all this. You may or may not know. I don't know how much you've studied history. But the Illuminati was founded, and evidently the protocols were written off of that. And uh, God's intervention, you know. I mean, you, you can't under, hardly explain this any other way to me. And they had a courier going from Bavaria, where the Illuminati was founded with these papers, going to Paris. And that uh, courier on a horse got struck by a bolt of lightning and killed. And hello, hello, hello. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Boy, I tell you, it's, uh, it's Brent hard. is with us. He's, he's just in the lobby, and there's people talking around him. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. So, uh, anyway, hey, Brent, let me just finish this story right here, and we'll see how you're doing. Um, the uh, courier was struck by lightning, and uh, uh, when they examined his body, the uh, paperwork of the Illuminati, I guess the probably early early drafts of uh, the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion, were in his, uh, inside of his coat. They found them on his body, however. You haven't given were. it away yet, and uh, so they got published in all the Bavarian newspapers, and that's when the Illuminati had to go underground. And I think that's when they really started penetrating Freemasonry and stuff. I'm sure they had their own to that point. But like the Templars, when they got uh, the drop on them in Paris, uh, the ones that escaped went to the monasteries, evidently. Okay. Anyway, uh, that was the start and the motivation behind the French Revolution. And when France took over and instituted this system, they instituted an administrative state. And the way that you could tell the bureaucrats in the French Revolution administrative state 
was they had burlap coverings on their desks. Burlap in French is bureau. And that's where the word bureaucrat comes from. So that was the first uh, attempt at this and an organized attempt. And, oh, obviously they've perfected it a bit since. Good morning, Brent. Is that you there? Did you make it? Brent? Brent made it or not? Okay, well, we'll have to... See, you never know. Brent's always traveling somewhere, so there's no telling what circumstances he's in. While we're waiting for him to connect here and see what he's got for us today, if anything, uh, anybody else got any uh, uh, anything to add to what we've covered so far? Nobody. Okay. Um, well, we'll just uh, wait and see if we can get Brent hooked up here. Uh, see what he's got to bring us today. I'm glad I stepped my face up the way I did. So, it's really I just, okay. Where, Anthony, is that you? Anthony, could you hit your mute if that's you, buddy? I think you just did, right? Sorry. So sorry. Uh, okay, where else can we go in this morning of confusion here? <laughs> hey, Brent, are you there? Think you can shut off? Uh, there he is. Yeah, but I think you can shut off um, the Skype. The Skype. Kill the Skype, maybe. The Let's, Skype try that. Let's try that. Let's try that. I hear okay. that. I hear those dulcimer tones. Yeah. Now I'm on. There you go. Hey, Brent. Now, am I on? Yeah, you're here. Yeah, you're I with think us. I figured out how to. Yeah, Paul gave me a hint about what to do. He probably didn't know that, but I did it, and it works. So now <laughs> I've got. That's problem of a month now solved i think all right any rate you all right morning i'm hanging in there i was just talking with the audience about this fiasco in ohio don't know how much you know about it but it's not too far from you i guess right well it's the ohio valley but that covers a million square miles (laughs) so uh yeah in that way but um um is this governor of ohio a democrat or republican i think he's a republican yeah. Well, you know, there's so many things that can happen in politics. You, it's, it's foolish to believe anything you hear, anything. I mean, was there really a derailment? I don't even know that. Of course, people say, okay, let's say there was. And then let's say uh, uh, the politicians, and politics makes strange bedfellows, so it could be that he knew that Biden would reject if he asked him for help, or it could be that they both got onto it together and decided they would do it that way for other political purposes. We don't know anything. All we know is the government, whether it's the white hats or the black hats, are lying through their teeth all the time, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. But to believe any of them is foolishness. And if you're in politics and you're not lying, you won't stay there. That's that's the, the bottom line. Yeah. So uh, what we need to do as uh, Americans that are patriotic, we need to take care of our business and charge ahead. And we get caught in what I call the paralysis of analysis. Yep. We, we, yeah, we do need to see what's going on, yes, and if we think there's something bad. And if it's true, you just say, well, if it's true, here's what I'm going to do. But in every case, we got to charge ahead and do what we got to do to take care of ourselves. And it doesn't make any difference if you're in the heat of a battle and there's bullets flying all around you. Um, stop! You don't stop and say, "I can't believe they're doing that." You don't stop and say, "I can't believe the Japs bombed Pearl Harbor." And no, you don't have time to stop. 
All right. I remember reading about General Marshall. The Japs bombed Pearl Harbor, of course, the next day. Whether or not it was planned, I don't know. But for the purposes, uh, I have good indication that was planned, too. But for purposes of, uh, you know, we, we got invited to a war and we went. And, uh, for purposes of, uh, of the illustration, though, just to make the point, so the military men, of course, they like that. That's the time that their careers can advance. Otherwise, in peacetime, a military officer can't do anything, and his his life just goes downhill, and he turns to drinking like General Patton did. Patton was nothing but a drunk before the war. The reason he was drinking so much because he didn't have anything to do that excited him. Yep. It was that and he almost lost it. Grant, of course, U.S. Grant, he turned into a drunk before the Civil War. Yeah. They said, you either leave or we're going to get you dishonorable, and he left. And why was he drunk? Well, he was on he was in an outpost on the other side of the world, and at that time, Puget Sound was the other side of the world, and that's where he was stationed. There wasn't anybody there. He didn't have his family with him. And like the guys that used to be stationed up at Wainwright in Alaska, what do they do? They drink. That's all they do. Right. They sit around and drink beer every night. They still do, as far as I know. It's been that way for over 50 years, 60, 70 years up there. That's the way it was with my father. He was stationed. <laughs> he was stationed off at a, you know when they did the hydrogen bomb tests. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was stationed at a little atoll called. Uh, oh gosh, now I can't. Anawetok. Anawetok, yeah. And I've been uh, there. I've yeah, been there. Have you? Yeah, he was yeah. there for a year, and all they did was they'd fly people around from island to island, getting ready for that shoot. I think, and mm-hmm. and then when they weren't there, they'd go around the islands and pick up those. Um, Back in those days, the Japanese fishing fleet had mm-hmm. glass blowers on every ship, and mm-hmm. they would blow these glass balls, and those they'd use as uh, as floats. <clears throat> and uh, the uh, the glass balls would break away from the netting and drift around the Pacific and drift up on those islands, and they'd go around those islands and pick those things up, man. And then mm-hmm. they'd sit around and macrame them with this wonderful tight knit macrame thing. I've still <laughs> got a bunch of them at home. I would imagine that they're probably worth some money, actually. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's what he did for over a year, and I, we always look back and thought that's probably when he crossed the line over into his alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. It's just, Military men have to have a fight. They're trained hard for it, and then all of a sudden they can't do what they're trained for. Uh, it, it's, we want them to be that way, although there's a danger in that, of course. And the danger in it is uh, they're happy when war starts, like they say, uh, uh, without no war, we get no um, hazard duty pay. You know, so let's let's start a war. If a war starts, they're jumping and happy. I know that sounds crazy, but that's the culture. I've been there. I've seen it. <clears throat> but when 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 the war started, uh, General Marshall was in charge, and he started calling. He started putting together staff because we were at war. Bang, just like that. He started putting together a staff, and he called some people he thought he could depend on. And he called this one fellow and said, I need you in Washington right away. And this fellow said, can I have 48 hours to get my family situated? And uh, General Marshall said, uh, you, know, you know we're at war, don't you? He said, yeah. He said, well, I don't need you then. And he, he called the next guy on the list, and that guy's career was ruined. Because he said, "I need forty-eight hours." Uh, when it comes to when it comes to war, you don't stop and say, "I can't believe they did this" or "I can't believe they're doing that." And we're at war. We yes, have we are. Yep. We, we we don't have time to to, to be um, in moral outrage about the enemy. They are what they are. Read the Bible. They're scum. 
They can't, their feet cannot rest until they shed blood. They, they do evil. Here's what they do. The Bible tells us clearly they do evil for the sake of evil. They don't even care. They don't even care if they make any money off of it. People say they're doing it for money. Well, if they get the money, that just helps them fill their lust more. But it's all a matter of bloodlust. That's what it is. Yep. I, I don't say that on my own authority. I say that God says that, and he says it over and over. Just look you at are, Look you at, are your father the devil. Go ahead, Russia. You look at Bolshevik Russia, and I keep telling the audience. if you, Brent, have you ever watched Europa? Uh-huh, I have several times. The first several. segment of Europa doesn't deal with World War II. It deals with the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah. And if you want to see these people in action, if you can stomach watching an hour of that, that's what you need to watch. It's over on – I know it's on BitChute. Sure, it's on probably Rumble and some of the other ones, but for the audience that may not know this, it's a 10, 10 or 12 segment documentary, each one of them about an hour long. It's called Europa, E U R O P A, not the television show. This is the 12 part documentary. And if you can watch that all the way through, you're a better man than I am. It, it, it gets so sickening and repulsive. I couldn't get past episode seven, but the other day we were talking about it. And I sent it to somebody that wasn't aware of it. And I said, well, I'll just watch a little bit of it. And I watched through that first segment on Bolshevik Russia, and it is repulsive. These people are repulsive. Well, yeah, they are. But uh, the the Japs are repulsive, too. They're all repulsive. If people do not have a sincere profession of Christianity, they're nothing but animals claiming we're the animals and we're expendable. That's what it boils down to. Right. Let's get real. Let's get real what's going on here. This is a brutal, ugly, hard world. And when I think about and read about and hear about and watch with my own eyes all the things that happen, I'm, I'm hunkered down. I'm saying, wait a minute. I better be wise here. I better figure out what I'm going to do. <clears throat> we know we have to be told again. I know the dangers that are facing every man and every woman. So what are we going to do about it? And the most powerful thing we can do, the most powerful thing we can do is tell the truth. Roger, I was talking to a fellow yesterday who, of course, I have people contact me for <clears throat> legal reasons and problems, and he got to questions and talking, and we, I got to asking him questions, and I feed off of him. When I say I feed off of him, what I mean to say is he raises questions in my mind when he says, well, why this and why that and why do you do this and why, you know, and he's arguing with me. And uh, I got to thinking, well, well, uh, what's the use, for example, Roger, to bring it home? What's the use of Roger's affidavit if what you're saying is true? And uh, not Roger's, but, of course, other people advocate it, too. And I said, well, the use of it is you're telling the truth. Don't expect to get what you want out of it. Don't be fooled into thinking there's some kind of a silver bullet. And here's what I said to him, Roger. Uh, the truth is more important than saying it is more important than any result. And if you're trying to get a result, forget it. That's not your department. Your department is to tell the truth. I, I teach the Bible, you know, Roger, on Sundays and Saturdays. The Bible is the record of what God said. It's all on paper. How many people, and I've been doing this for over 40 years, how many people hear anything I'm saying and, and, and act upon what the Bible says? Not what I'm saying, but I'm just repeating what it says. How many? Very, 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 very few. And the ones that yeah. do are cattywampus as they do if they don't get it all. Right. I Brent, Brent I'm gonna, let me just see if I can stall you for a second. Paul, he's sure. real garbled. 
is he on Jitsi now, or, or we cut the Skype connection? I yeah. wonder if the Skype connection would be clearer. Yeah. Yeah, we cut we cut the Skype connection. The Skype connection wasn't great to begin with. Okay, but he was able to connect to Jitsi. He's got a bandwidth deal yeah, going on. Right, right. Off, so, you're off on so, the road, Brent. You're off on the road again. Oh, okay. You can hear me, okay? Yeah. Well, it's a little garble, but you're audible. Okay, I'm gonna scoot a little closer to the router. Sometimes a foot and a half can make a little difference. Yeah, okay, it really can in, in these <laughs> yeah. instances. You know, so yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but uh, no, no, that's right. you know everybody wants to hear what you got to say, and we want to hear it as audible as possible. So, okay, I've got a note, and my message says you are very garbled. Or am I still? Am I still very garbled? Please, a, yeah. a, a little bit, but yeah, you're you're, you're audible. Garbled. Okay, I'm audible, but this this uh, messenger says i'm i'm not oh no i'm garbled well but paul would it be better you reckon to go back on skype was it bad there too um i'm thinking restart your browser and try jitsi again well I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's yeah yeah i'm on jitsi now on on a browser you know right well, I think it's audible. Yeah, I was just trying right. to. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm finicky about that stuff. So if we, the best we can do is the best we can do. Well, this is the first time that he's ever experienced or or exhibited this particular type of distortion. Yeah. So I'm thinking that there's something different with his system config, and we were we were playing with a bunch of different things trying to get his sound working okay so um i'm thinking it's a jitsi error let's let's bail out a jitsi i'll bring you in on skype we'll try that all right we'll try that brent you still we'll there see. all right trial and error here at times in our new configuration thanks to yeah. well i mean you know really we're a victim of our own success in a sense because we're starting to get people and they <laughs> and they can't do anything about what we say they can't do anything about what we do, so they're going to try and come in and screw with us here because it's our only vulnerable point. And uh, Paul's taking great precautions right. to try and alleviate that, but that causes a little more confusion So uh, until it all gets straightened out. So as I said, we're kind of a victim of our own success, which is a good indication, really. You know, you can look at it negative or you can look at hey, it Roger. positive. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, this is Dave. Uh, I was listening to John Moore's show yesterday at the end of uh, hour one. I think a lady talked about a psychological uh, new code for uh, paranoid schizophrenic for the unvaxxed. Yeah, right. And See? she said, uh, you know, kind of like, what can we do? And I said, listen to Roger. He's right on the network. And so I'm, I'm going to post that in the comments on John's show. He agreed okay. and, and other things I made comments on. Okay. Uh, people right on RBN aren't even seeing this. And and it's unfortunate, but uh, we'll get the word out. That's yeah. all we can do. Okay. Hey, Roger. Yes, there's Abram. Um, good morning. Um, I'd like to, to you know, I, I don't disagree with what Brent's saying about uh, the, the change. And, and, you know, people say it's a piece of paper. Well, it's a piece of paper to the enemy, letting them know that you are formally on God's side. That's you, right. Your allegiance is to him. And, That's and right. that can be understated. It changes you internally, fundamentally. There, yeah, there's it, something that will happen. And it will gain momentum. It, it does. You, you know, it's interesting you should say that, Abram. I, I saw this in myself years ago as I came into the understanding of this. 
and uh and i but i you can't really recognize it when it's just you it's very difficult when it's just objective okay or subjective but and i think it's probably daryl the the one that came forward and i started seeing the growth in him and the re-empowerment that you hear every time he's on the air. I mean, obviously, you can't listen to Daryl and not know he's re-empowered, okay? Oh, no, right. And it was when I started seeing that in my students, Brian Howard's another one, when I started seeing that in you people, then I could identify it in me. Okay? Do you know how, do you know, have you guys heard the story about how a metallurgist uh, uh, cures his metal? Have you ever heard that analogy, any of you? It was around. In terms of tempering the steel or uh, uh, removing uh, impurities? Go, go, yes, yes. The dross, the dross, okay. when a, In the old days when a metallurgist, uh, mainly talking about gold and silver and precious metals here, when they're trying to get the impurities out of it, it's called the dross, D-R-O-S-S, I think. And they put that little cauldron that the metal's in under great heat. And the more heat you put on it, the more it drives the impurities out of the metal. And those impurities come to the surface, and it's called the dross. And so what the metallurgist would do would scrape those impurities off and continue to fire the cauldron to get the other impurities out. Mirka, do you know when they knew how the metal was pure? Mm, When it melted? When they could see their reflection in it. Oh, cool. And that's just exactly what God does to us, see? He puts us under this fire to get out our impurities. Awesome. And when he, can, when he can see his reflection, we can see our reflection, his, and that, then we've reached that point, okay? But it's a wonderful analogy because it's so fitting, all right? Purified by fire purified by fire okay so did we get brent back yet no okay uh but uh abram i put you at a request this morning for a guy that lives up by you named mark i put you two together in an email this morning okay now the other thing i'll say is we've been we've been seeing people of course we got some folks there in the southeast and we got some folks starting to pop up all over dallas or fort worth we've had a number of folks out of arizona but nobody has ever really stepped forward to where i can identify and say well contact this person you know and uh but i think that happened yesterday and uh for the folks in uh in Arizona, I'll get this out more, but I had an email from a guy that lives uh, out by Lake Havasu. I'm not sure exactly where that is in Arizona uh, to to Phoenix because I'm sure most of our people probably live. Pardon me? Okay. So uh, anyway, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of his, of his name. It starts with a P. And uh, he's got 40 acres there that he says uh, I think is totally off the grid and part of his 40 acres is a canyon and uh, he was issued the invitation that anytime anybody wanted to get together we could do it at his place so then I had another email from a gal named Autumn who was asking about people in Arizona so I put those two together yesterday so we'll see how that develops I'll announce it as we go forward they're new students yes 
No. Uh, well, I think I think it's hard for me to gauge at times from emails. But one of them is a regular listener that sent me a bunch of stuff on uh, this national meeting that's coming up. You know that we've talked about a couple of times this week was or it, recently. Yeah, was it Tim? No, it was a female named Autumn, and she got real motivated by that show. We talked about it this week and started sending me all kinds of links and stuff. I think it's an Anna Von Wright's meeting, and she's got some guy that ran for president who's I've never heard of, and they they're they're doing it on a loyal title and stuff. I think is what the gist I got out of it, and they were charging between a thousand and twenty five hundred dollars to come to the seminar. Okay. Oh and uh so anyway that's she had sent me a number of emails and that his email came in about the same time with open arms and anybody that wants in Arizona so I just put those two together I kind of appointed him <laughs> I appointed him the point man for Arizona so that's for those funny. folks of you who are out there in that part of the country we'll get a little more definitive information on that for you tomorrow or next week okay but I'd like to see you guys start getting yeah. together now that we're starting to get people in these maybe regional things where you guys can start meeting each other and building relationships and that's going to be if we do get a chance to move forward with this that organizational structure even in that basic and scattered could be very important so that's the reason i'm kind of thinking in those in those directions so do we i think we have brent with us now we get you back buddy are you are you audible now he's in there he's unmuted let me see. Oh, boy, it's always I have a question. So- okay, good. Well, hello. While Paul's fooling with us. Hello, this is Bob. Hello, Bob. Bob from Colorado again. Hey, Bob. Hi. Um, I what would you do if if you were noticing without a passport, and you had sent in your your affidavit to the Secretary of State? And you wanted to notify the attorney general and the local sheriff as to your, your citizenship evidence. Would you use the same verbiage? Um, please place this citizenship evidence firmly and permanently. In you could say that, file. or you could say, please have this uh, change reflected in my record, something to that effect. Yep. And please notify your agents of my. Well, you get uh, status. Oh, there, there's several things you should try and keep it. We recommend you keep it very simple. Please find the enclosed citizenship evidence now on file with the Secretary of State of the United States or the United States of America. You could put either one of them. He wears two hats up there. Please, uh, let's see, please, uh, adjust your records accordingly you could leave that's a very open-ended uh, sentence please notify your agents accordingly something that i'd affect there's no set thing you put in there bob uh but it's important right that if you're going to tie them in at the state level with agency that you put that statement up at the yep. top of your of the cover letter above the body of the letter. And what we suggest is you put first lawful slash legal notice. Second, notice to the agent is notice to the principal. Notice to the principal is notice to the agent. Now, that language is out of the laws of agency. 
Okay. And so you CC at the bottom your local officials and you send that to the attorney general. Okay. And then you send the exact copy of what you sent the attorney general to those people that are listed as CC at the bottom. Local DA, local sheriff, local police, uh, chief of police, if you've got one. And uh, if you've got a county public health official, that's not a bad one to put in there either because they're going to shove this mandated vaccine up our barracks bag, folks. It's in process right now. All right. Roger. Yes. So well, let's make. The, you know. Um, hold on. Let's make sure. Oh, let's make sure Bob gets taken care of. Okay. I wanted Did, to share. Um, you you know, the, Mike all that data. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Let Merka talk. Go ahead, Merka. All that data is in the frequently asked questions in the Matrix Docs. Okay, it's in the FAQs in the Matrix Docs dot com. Okay, Bob, but that's your local notice. Yes. That's that agency statement. What the reason for that? There's a reason for everything I just told you. Okay, and the reason for that is because you've tied your local officials back to the attorney general under the laws of agency because they're all agents in agency under his authority. Okay. So should those people, now we're talking theoretically here, should those people, let's say, for example, the DA dockets a speeding ticket you got. When he does that, in theory, he's acting outside of his delegated responsibilities because those traffic laws don't apply to you now. Now he loses his cloak of immunity and becomes personally liable. And because he's locked in with the attorney general of the state, the same goes for him. Oh, the attorney general's also liable. Correct, because they're under each other in agency, and you put them on notice as to that fact. Now, I'm not, I don't know how you're going to go in court and win that, but as I said, theoretically, that's what goes on here. Well, uh, Jack and Mar- Margie Flynn have a whole process for doing that. However, they are, they have not declared themselves national. But, well, uh, I, I, then if, cases, and well, they, well, I don't know about that, but if they haven't changed their status, if they haven't studied, uh, changed their status officially and properly with the Secretary of State, the local officials don't lose their cloak of immunity. Um, they let's see, they're stripping them of their cloak of immunity by addressing the man, and no matter what your status is. This is my pondering over it. No matter what this, our status is, the Constitution. You don't have access to. You, no, well, no, that's not right because you're not under the Constitution. You're a federal citizen with civil rights. You don't have God given rights until you file this back with the Secretary of State. That's where but the change the happens. Constitution of 1871. It doesn't matter what's co- federal. What, yeah, uh, but, corporate you, but Bob, you're not listening. You're under the 14th Amendment after the bankruptcy. You don't have access to the Constitution. You've got civil rights. The Constitution is for people with God-given rights. That's protections. The Constitution gives you no rights outside of the 14th Amendment civil rights. All the rest of it is protections. 
And how can you get the protections of the Constitution if you don't have God-given rights? Bob, see you see? I do have a comment um, about the Ohio thing. Okay. Mike DeWine is the the governor of Ohio. Right. And he was the first one to declare a state of emergency for the COVID nonsense. Well... Nonsense. Well, whatever so it is, was the first state well, they say state that that emergency. that area was almost predominantly Trump in the last in 2020, and that could be part of it too. Uh, but don't forget, they've got another uh, guy that's in a lot of power right now from Ohio, Jim Jordan. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. Okay. Hello. Were you yes. trying? Were you trying? Well, to say, thank you. Were you trying to say something? No, I wasn't. Okay. Do we have Brent back yet, Paul? Oh God! Has Paul fallen into the black hole too? I don't know. Okay, we don't know. I right? don't know. Somebody hey, just said, "Oh God, you're unmuted." Okay. So. Somebody just said, "Hey, Roger." Yes. Yeah, that's me. Um, I got a question for you. Okay, who's you? Who's you? Um, who's, I've heard rumors. Who's you? This is Andy. Also, I, I, all that I didn't understand the thing you said. Please come back again. What's your name and where are you located? This is Andy from Minnesota. Oh, hey, Andy. I've been hearing rumors that people who file for their national status are being persecuted by the FBI. And this person that told me this says this isn't something you want to do unless you're willing to go under this persecution. Okay, well, hold on a second. Hold on on a second, Andy. Anybody here been persecuted by the FBI? (laughs) No. No. They run from me. I think it's I think it's what? David Strait students that are getting that. Okay, What's well, that David David Strait students unfortunately deserve that because they're going around saying they're sovereign citizens and stuff. Andy, are you a sovereign citizen? Hello, Roger. Yes, That's hold on. Oh, I'm dealing with Andy here. Let's get Andy's deal straight. Andy, are you a sovereign citizen? No, I am not. Okay. Well, if you go around telling people or filing paperwork that says you are, you might experience those kinds of drawbacks. We have had, I will tell you this. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, we had a situation with our buddy Theo, who's a Greek fellow. He may be with us today, uh, down in Tarpon Springs area, I think, Florida. And uh, he filed his master affidavit and then put all his local people on notice. And a couple of weeks later, two sheriff's deputies show up at his door. And they start asking him. And four times they ask him, are you a sovereign citizen? And he go, no, I'm a national. Blah, blah, blah. Are you a sovereign citizen? So obviously that's what they're keying on. Okay, And that's why I say always use their words. See, our people want to always 
embellish. Oh, no, I'm an American state national who stands on his head over in the corner for five minutes a day. They always want to put this descriptive stuff on the front instead of just saying national or U.S. national, and that's what it's identified as in all the regulations and statutes we've been able to find. But our people don't want to use that. They want to embellish it, okay? Just use their words, Now that we know the scam, using their words exactly is the key to the matrix. Don't you understand? Does that make sense, Andy? Roger, Augustus. Okay, hold on, Augustus. Let me deal with Andy here. Andy, that makes sense to you? Andy doesn't want to come back. Okay, Augustus, how you doing this morning, my man? Here's a new guy right here. Happy. <laughs> Happy Friday. Yeah, I think. So, um, well, a little FYI, I believe I sent 12 uh, notifications to everybody. I, uh, Merck and I are creating a list, <laughs> and I want to add to it. And you said there were 600, but that's not why I'm calling. Here's why I'm, I need some feedback. Uh, a couple days ago, you spoke with a girl, a woman, that was uh, speaking about uh, keeping her, the LLC and the corporation she had, a couple of them. I, I don't know, Lisa, or I can't remember. Uh, I think it was a gal out of so Florida. Here's what I've done, and I'm looking. There's a gal uh, out of here, Here's what I've done, okay. and I want to get, get some feedback from people that may be listening. And something that you said, you said um, you can remain it as it is, okay, the corporations, but you also in the same breath said, that uh, you would recommend, uh, you possibly recommend that you no longer can deduct the expenses. Well, so I here's said, my situation, and I'm interested in... Uh, oh, oh, no, go ahead, Augustus. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I want to give... That's okay. I want to give you my situation and then uh, take a back seat. So I've, I've uh, terminated my S-Corp in California. Now, understand that uh, I, I wear two hats, like I mentioned before. I am a, uh, I'm the administrator who runs the payroll, and I'm also the employee that will get the W-2. So in my mind, I'm thinking I may have made a mistake. I terminated it, but I can also reactivate it, so it's not a big deal. Plus the fact that no matter what, I have to pay the $800 that California requires for, for, this, uh, for last year uh, as far as the uh, franchise tax board. Anyway, continuing. So I'm trying to decide what I should do. Should I re I'm trying, I'm weighing it and I'm saying to myself on the one side, I'm able to write off a tremendous amount, everything from the miles to the insurance to the workers comp, blah, blah, blah. Right. Cause you know, I'm a, I do roofing and solar. So do I reactivate it? Is it worth it? Or do I stay out of the system? And then I have to, and no longer am an S corp. Or do I go back in and be able to write that off? I'm trying to weigh those two. So now I'm listening. Well, I don't know. You know, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a CPA. I've I've never had a I shouldn't say never. I probably had one or two I didn't use properly, a corporation or stuff. But why do people incorporate, Augustus? Well, to protect, protect, protect what they have, and also be able to operate uh, as a business. Well, they mainly as a corporation. Mainly, corporations offer limited liability. Okay, so uh, the uh, subchapter S, as I understand it, is a pass-through corporation. 
Okay. It yeah. is the yeah. shell and the entity that does business, so you got your limited liability there. But anything that comes through, you pass through to whoever you're going to pass it through to. Okay. So uh, you could go either way. Honestly, you could reactivate the S Corp and do that way. Anything it pays you is, is non taxable unless you got 871 and 877B. Right, Right on the one side, because uh, as a S corp, the the company, the S corp, has to pay, period, and then it's ma- it's matched uh, by the employee. But the S corp pays on profits, and if it doesn't, it passes through everything. There's no tax obligation because the corporation experiences no profits. Right, I was thinking about that because I really I want to pass through. I want to take as much. Um, uh, currency or funds as I can pass it through to myself because it's a pass through and then uh, choose in the payroll to be able not to be able to choose you don't take anything here you don't well, take well, you, you, you don't take federal you well, don't take you're the, I have that choice you're the one that would file those documents with the corporation that would dictate that's my understanding B8, W8BEN and the other things <clears throat> that Joe has been on top of here Brent, is that you back with us? Mm. I'm here, I think. Oh, okay, good. Okay, so I'm just talking to Augustus. One All right, well, I said Brent's Now, Brent, Brent, Brent well, you know, um, Brent, I should say this to help promote Brent a little bit, and Brent's specialty out of all this law stuff he does, my understanding, is trusts. That's another entity you could uh, look at and consider. That was my motivation for t- – one, a couple reasons was motivating the S-Corp – just to get out of the system, number one, to be able not to have a headache with uh, anyone else as far as the government goes. And then, because you guys spoke to me about that two months ago, about creating uh, there's different kinds of trusts and so forth. Oh, yeah. So I've been you, contemplating that. Okay. You know, Brent, you said something on Sunday last week on your segment. You were talking about trusts and income tax and stuff. And you mm-hmm. said something that was really interesting to me I'd never thought about before. And you mm-hmm. were comparing trust to contracts. And a contract mm-hmm. is a two or more person agreement, but a trust is only a one sided agreement. I thought that was really interesting. Provocative. Well, and it's not a one sided agreement. I'd put it it's a one it's a one sided promise. There's only one promise to put it in Anglo Saxon. There's one undertaking. One commitment. And the commitment is the trustee or the settler. The settler makes a commitment. Of course, the trustee makes a commitment to do what the settler wants, but the settler may be the trustee too. But the bottom line is the beneficiaries, they don't uh, have to do anything but hold their hand out and agree. There is an agreement. But even if the beneficiaries um, do not agree, even if the beneficiaries try to destroy the trustee, it doesn't change the trustee's duty. So the commitment really is, uh, the- oh. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, yeah, he's he's still he's still having uh, system resource problems. I don't know if he's got too much stuff running on his laptop or what he's got going on, but this is a new deal. Yeah. Uh, this is the noise we've never heard from him before. That's so he true. changed something. He's doing something different. Okay, well, we'll see if we can get it back. And Brent's, Brent's a national treasure, folks, if you guys hadn't gathered that yet. Um, 
So Augustus, I, I mean, I'm not going to make the decision for you. I can tell you what I know and understand, and ultimately it's your decision. But either you keep it or you don't, and either way, whatever you get is not taxable to my understanding. And at this point, the IRS has recognized that for all these years. Okay. So does that help help at all? I understand. And yet, um, yes, it does. And I'm having a little bit of a challenge. Um, I've spoken with Joe. He's uh, he's crazy. I love because uh, originally I'm from back east, where he's from as well. Okay. Um, okay. Well, you've answered. You've given me information and some things to contemplate. I was hoping to get some input from us, Mark or uh, the all caps dude or someone else. But, yeah, Mark hadn't okay. been with us too All much. Right, solid. So, okay, you. you're welcome, Augustus. You're how's your son? How's your son and daughter-in-law? Hold on, let me get a poll, Augustus, on the way out. Your son and your daughter-in-law coming along on this info with the upcoming birth? Let me let me just let me just read something to you that I texted him less than twelve hours ago. Stand by. Here's what I said to him. Hold on. I said. Uh, I copy and pasted uh, at one hour and ten minutes and seventeen one hour ten minutes and seventeen seconds where it starts, and I said the next five minutes about babies. This morning or last night he responded. Thanks. I'll check it out on the drive to Palmdale tomorrow. So he's definitely motivated, interested, and he understands the importance of it. And um, they, I believe, they're. They sat down and had a birth plan going, and also the doula, a doula or something, right? Doula, doula, a doula. So they said, remember, they, they offered them one. They offered them one, and I believe they're taking uh, them up on that as well. Good. The, the hospital offered that to them. That's good. It yeah. sounds like you got a good hospital. And then also hospital. the vaccine stuff. The vaccine. Ooh, that's a big one right there. The vaccine, right. the so vaccine stuff. They understand the importance of it. I can't make, just like you can't make the decision for me, and I understand that. I yeah. can't make the decision for them. No, they have to decide what they want to do. That's right. All I can do is be the messenger. That's right. Well, that's kind of huh? the way, that's kind of the way I feel. Clear, clear <laughs> what? That's kind of the way I feel. <laughs> what are you chuckling about? That I'm the messenger here. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All these hey, I Augustus, you know, had, I, I, I sent him information yesterday. Oh, I have to tell you this. I sent him information yesterday, uh, last two nights ago, and like about six thirty in the morning, he's trying he's trying to hound me, and uh, and he's saying, "Okay, tell me about this. Tell me about this." And I knew I knew enough. I know enough to be dangerous, but I still have to obviously master it as much as I can. Yep. So anyway, I said, "You know what? This." I said, "Just call Roger." So if anybody ever calls you, they'll mention, hopefully they'll mention, you'll say, hey, how did you get a hold of them? And they'll say, Augustus. Okay. So I'm planting, I'm Johnny Appleseed down here planting a lot of seeds. Okay, okay, well, good. Good, Johnny. Thank you very much for your efforts. They'll sprout. Some of them will. There was a couple other people that wanted to say something there. One of them was a female. We're going to def- defer to the female oh, first. and But let's see what Paul's got that's to me. add here. Yes, okay, hold on just a sec. Paul? Um, I'm, I'm kind of intuitive and I don't know where these sparks of inspiration come from, but they do. Um, your, your son and daughter-in-law need to file affidavits before that baby's born. Uh, I'm just getting that feel. Paul, well, if Paul, they, that's if, what I, Paul, that's what I recorded. That's what I, that's what I said to him because yesterday it's you saying it at one seventeen and 10 seconds. Okay. Right, and have they, that they need to get ready that for done. the baby too. 
especially with the one that happened out in out in Oregon, um, the the child was grabbed by CPS right Idaho. out of the hospital. I, Idaho. I mean, Idaho. Okay, they need to have both of their affidavits on file that's before a, the baby. It's a very good idea for anyone. You know, and this is a new area for what we do here. I mean, I never even considered this until this baby Cyrus situation in Idaho about a year ago, and that brought all this to the forefront. And we've been exploring it and expanding on it ever since, and sculling it out to some of these fine points. But that'd be a real good idea. Who was our female there? Hello. Who was the gal that was trying to say something? Oh, that's me, Roberta. Hello. All right. Oh, there's Roberta back. Hi, Roberta. Oh, I'm I'm a good student. I came back. Yeah, you called in on Sunday night over on RBN, I think, right? You bet. You bet. Okay. Hi. So I'm calling with a few silly questions, but I'll never know if I don't ask. Um, the United States Post, sorry, the USPS is where I send all my certified mail right. to all my legal lawful notices. Right. However, they have a bad tendency lately to lose my stuff. Well, they so, happen sometimes. Uh, if you understand how mail processing goes on and the volumes of mail they process, would like your green card sure. coming back. Sometimes those things get stuck yeah. in a newspaper or a magazine and they just get lost. So it's not always their fault. Right, but it did prompt to a question. So one of my letter notices to the my local county sheriffs has not reached the local county sheriff. So I called and I spoke to an administrator, administrative uh, assistant, I would say, and thought it was interesting that when I commented that I sent a letter and she asked me who did I send it to and I gave the actual sheriff's name, she um, said, well, I wouldn't know what to do with your letter even if I got it. And I thought to myself, well, you put it in my administration file, in my administration file, and she, administrative, sorry, administrative file. And she still said, well, unless you have been in jail, we wouldn't have administrative files. Oh, on that's you. interesting. So. Well, you just want to tell them that you've been you've been put on notice, and I want you I want it to reflect in whatever records you have on me. Now, you've got the advantage there. Don't forget, Roberta, the sheriff's local. You can hand deliver that stuff too. Okay, and that way, if you've got any questions, you you can explain it to them right on you know right there to the best. That's why I say learn the information, have command of the information in these situations. If you're trying to get that done in person and you don't know what you're talking about, you're going to have a much more difficult time. Right, but the same thing happened with the medical examiner. Well, okay, medical examiner's office. Okay, fine. Well, you just tell them. Look, I'm I'm giving you notice of my status change. You need to reflect this in whatever records you have on me. Okay, because they said I don't have a record unless you're dead. Well. You tell them. You tell them. You tell them. If you want to come and mandate a jab shot on me, you better damn well have it somewhere before me being dead, because I ain't taking that shot, and you ain't forcing me. And this says you can't. Okay, great. So somehow they've got to put it somewhere because I'm handing hand delivering these last two because they they never showed up. 
Okay. Well, don't don't you know in our postal in our postal system, Roberta, right? It's considered just like the IRS does to us. When the IRS can send you something to your last known address, and you may not have lived there in fifteen years, and it's considered to be received. So the minute you put it in the system, it's considered to be received what you're saying you're saying that certified mail ticket is saying hey i mailed it right right but even if you didn't have that on there well even if you didn't have it on there i'm just telling you the overall thing is considered received once it's in the system our people want to hang their hat on the return receipt being returned i understand that totally and that's fine i'm just telling you the overriding stuff here okay no, that's great. I like that. That's very empowering because I have the tracking number, so that's good enough right, for me. Right. And you can plug online and, and see where that is, by the way. You know yeah. that, I'm sure. Roger. Oh, I do, but uh, that's why I knew it was lost because okay. it's been three weeks. Okay. Have and you... then the next question is oh, – sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead with your question. Oh, so now I travel in two counties because of my son's school. So I'm thinking somewhere along the line, I heard I definitely need to send the legal lawful notice of my citizen evidence affidavit to the other county where my son goes to school because I travel there all the time. Wouldn't be a bad idea. And then, great. And then the last one was where I was born in Connecticut. Do Who in the world do I contact there or do I need to? No, not really. Do you go back? Do you oh, go back up there very okay. often? I mean, I think the people you put on notice are the ones the area you usually hang out in. You know, uh, Sarah with her That's experience cool. in Colorado with her rebellious daughter when she was from Louisiana, and they'd come from North Dakota to Colorado, and she didn't have anything on file there. But all she did was present them with the affidavits. They came out of a closed-door meeting after five minutes with three attorneys and said, you're free to go. Got it. Okay. I have the affidavit, thanks to one of your callers, um, laminated in my vehicle. Not a bad idea either. Great advice. But mine is long because I learned from someone that was a student of yours, and so I'm kind of nervous about how long mine is well if you want to change it well there's what you can do if if that makes you uncomfortable and you feel more comfortable with the shorter one and i always advise to keep it simple stupid approach just redo it and resend it to whom though the same the same the same people for first one you send to the secretary of state the one you're sending in now cancels and supersedes the previous one and then you put that to everybody on notice again i mean i don't feel that i have to i just based on what is now known from your well from your group i feel like mine's too long but maybe it's not well, it just depends. I don't know what you said in there or anything else, but you know, generally, the, you, you know, you can do this in one sentence. One sentence from the State yes, Department document, you know. So, Roger, are you there? I'm yes. here. We're here, Brent. Hold on a second. We're marking time till you got back with us. You sound much better. So, Roberta, does that help? You can do it if you want. You don't have to do it, I guess, if you made the correct statements in there. If you don't want, so I'm going to throw the ball back in your court. Okay. 
Of course, of course. I appreciate it. I'm all sure right. I'll talk to you again. Thanks, okay. Mirka, all for right. all your help. Oh, thank you, Roberta, for checking in. I think we got Brent back. You sound real loud and clear, Brent. Yep. Did you reboot your machine? Well, now you can't. So I don't hear him at all. Well, I tell you, you never know with this stuff one day to the next with all this technology and stuff. Brent, are you back with us, buddy? I think I might have to spend the afternoon on the phone with him figuring out what's going on. Holy smokes. Well, we haven't had this problem too often. Occasionally, he's off somewhere on the road and gets bad reception. But today, I just was... It's just a little garbled. I know everybody wants to hear what Brent's got to say, and we want it as audible as possible. So just keep fooling around, Paul, um, I guess. Um, so we got Roberta taken yeah. care of. Welcome to the show over here, Roberta. Who else? There's a couple of guys that were trying to inject something there a minute ago. Hey, Roger. Yes, sir. Uh, sir to circle back to the S-Corp uh, uh, question, I think about three weeks ago, uh, there was a Steve from Colorado uh, that had mentioned he had a company, an S-Corp, um, and he discovered uh, that a, if you're a non-resident alien, uh, you couldn't own an S-Corp. Could be. And he, you would uh, end up losing that election. So he was, he was working through that uh, uh, with his accountant uh, and to uh, I think he was going to change everything back to uh, LLCs, and and so I had but gone now, through and looked at, the, at that as well because I've got an S corp as well, and, and uh, looked that up. And okay, like well the now, same what is, is what you're telling me? The S corp can't be a non-resident alien, or whoever it dispenses funds to can't be a non-resident alien. There's a big difference there, right? At the uh, any anybody that. Uh, an ownership cannot uh, uh, an, a non-resident alien cannot have ownership in in an S corp. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's a key piece of information, yeah. Augustus. I hope you heard that. Something you might want to yeah. check into that if you're the sole proprietor, basically overriding that S corp, according to what we're hearing here, you can't be a non-resident alien and in that capacity both, which I can easily understand. So just something else you ought to look into. Thank you very much, okay? And as I've told you guys, look, I don't have all the answers, okay? I got the answers on the front end when we get into all this complex stuff and and, and corporations and all these other things in people's lives. I just don't have clear-cut answers for them. You can scull through most of them and get to a point where you can kind of get a general feel of what the answer would be. But I just don't have the concrete answers on stuff like we're talking right here with S-Corps. Okay? So, thank you, though, for that injection. Um, and working together, see, we'll find out answers. When some of you guys that are in this situation press the envelope, we get answers, and then we can come back and alert everybody and know we're on the right path. So uh, who else has got something here this morning while we're seeing if we can get Brent's technical problems straight? Nobody? Out of this vast audience, nobody's got any comments or questions? 
I'm just having coffee. There's nothing I can do. I mean, Brent is is trying to come in through Jitsi, and I've tried to call him on Skype four or five times. Okay, well, hold on. We're going to get to you then. Just keep trying, Paul. Who is the female there? Oh, it's me, Roberta, again. Oh, okay, Roberta. Well, we'll have a little little more conversation with you while we're waiting. How'd you find us, Roberta? How'd you find How'd you find us? Um, there is a web. Uh, excuse me. It's a organization. I think it's called Liberties Horizon. And yeah. there was a Daniel Mentz that was doing a presentation based on your work. He says your name so many times. Okay. Roger Sales. Okay. And my friend had purchased this little workshop seminar and so because of her i then found out who roger sales was and then i bought the book um started doing the process and then i found telegram and um i just can't get enough of you guys right well you're one of the people you know what my experience is my personal experience too um when this information crosses your path it almost totally takes command of your life and your thinking is that happening with you Unfortunately, yes, I have to calm myself down. Yes. Well, don't don't say unfortunately because <laughs> yes. it's very fortunate, you know. Um, because of the oh, way I, I look, was afraid I was being scolded. Yeah, no, uh, you know the way it was for me. Really, thirty years ago, I never had a tax problem. I'd known something was wrong for many many years. Didn't know what it was, and when I crossed paths with John and Glenn, it's the the way I like to describe it is God put a ring in my nose and he attached a big rope and he said, come here, boy, you're following me. And I've been doing that ever since. Okay. And you can't ever get enough of this stuff. I mean, I tell you people, this is a process. I've been going through it for 30 years and I'm still figuring stuff out that I didn't know before. It's a process. So oh, absolutely. just sit back, and take people, it. A- I talk to people too. Yeah. I'm not afraid to talk to people about it, but it's tricky. It's very tricky. You got to learn how to I present. I just want to give them a little bit of info. Right. This is a. There's a way to do that. I think we got Brent back with us. I don't want to marginalize him because we've lost so much time. But no, there's no, a way to do that. Good. Stay plugged in, and we'll cover it one day. Brent, are you back with us? It sounds like yeah. you might be. <clears throat> He's it, coming in via Skype right now. I'm trying to answer okay. the call. Okay. Um, we and we've got it. somebody that's got air noise. Somebody is unmuted, and I'm really, really, really going to crack. Gonna, uh, He's going to crack his mouth. whip. Get, get short. He's going to start cracking um, his whip, folks. Check your mute. Uh, I wanted to tell Roberta I sent her a message on Telegram. Okay. All right. And And I wanted to also say that it makes me either sad or um, bothers me to hear that people are charging students to learn about this and you're sharing it for free, Roger. Well, it's it's worse than that. They're charging them for stuff that isn't this information. It's their own concoction. Okay, well. And and the affidavit, who knows, you know, what's on it. You know, you're keeping it simple and people are just making it a little more. Yeah. Well, more you know, we're Complex. Americans. If one's good, two's better. Have we got Brent back yet? Okay. Boy, yeah, I think I'm here. There he is. There you are. Boy, you sound good, too. Yeah, you sound good, too. I 
don't, I don't understand any of it, Roger, but if you can hear me, that's okay with me. Whatever you did, whatever magic wand you waved over it did the job. So uh, we've taken up a lot of time with this technical okay. foolishness this morning. I don't want to marginalize you any more than we have to because you're grateful enough to spend this day with us. So launch on off in whatever you were thinking of or what's on your mind, Brent. Well, I was, as I was uh, off the air, off the platform, I had the, the um, what do you call it, jujitsu side up, and I saw the <laughs> jujitsu or gypsy or whatever. <laughs> and I saw some of the comments, and I thought, well, let's read some of these comments here. People responding, but I don't have it in front of me now, so I don't know what they were, but. Uh, if I can get it in front of me, I'm going to. I want to read them, even if if I can't talk on that site. I can do that, maybe. Let me pull it up here. Uh, uh, let me, let me, let me, let me uh, just grab them out of chat, and I'll just paste them into our Skype chat. Okay. Boy, things used oh, to be when well, yeah. we didn't have All anybody right. listening. It was real simple. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's, really. It, it's working right now. I don't want to poke the bear. Let's not change anything until we yeah, get this figured we'll out. Dro- yeah, if you drop in Skype, then I can uh, read some of it, maybe. And, uh, yeah. And how do I get do back to Skype? I don't even know. Well, Brent, and while you're while while we're while we're while we're double shuffling around here, um, I was I was thinking that maybe you'd want to promote and also embellish what you're doing on the weekly uh, lessons on the Magna Carta. Yeah, and uh, I want people to join the class because when you do, you support what we're doing. Plus, you get the opportunity to listen to the lectures and this all started many years ago when well it was on the many years ago yeah, it's been seven now I guess over seven the, no not quite seven the, one of my friends out in Montana texted and said hey uh, why don't you write an article why don't you write an article on Magna Carta it was on the 800th anniversary which had been the 15th of June the year 2015 and so I wrote an article and he wanted to post it on his educational website and then another fellow that used to listen to us a lot said, Brent, why don't you do a series of lectures on Magna Carta? And so I sat down and did uh, about 40 hours, starting in the beginning and going clear through to the end. And then, uh, of course, since then, we all those lectures and the things we've done, we've established what I call uh, in of court. I don't call it a school. That's a scholastic word from the evil empire, school. The schoolmen are the scholastics. What are the scholastics? They're the ones that worship logic. They're the ones who are always talking about you got to be logical. They're the ones that are always saying, well, that's not logical. Well, forget all that. I'm not interested in talking about logic all the time. I'm interested in talking about facts. The logic will take care of itself once you got the right facts. But if you put logic first, you'll never focus on getting the right facts. You'll never focus on evidence. You'll be all taken up with scholasticism like St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, Saint, well, he's no more a saint than you were, but Thomas Aquinas, official doctrine of the Roman Church, the scholasticism, official doctrine of Judaism, the scholasticism. That means logic over fact. And where people stress the use of logic, fact, I'm quoting Quoting a professor from uh, Berkeley, in the law school there, Bull Hall, Merriman. His name was Merriman. 
he said, where logic is stressed, to that degree, fact has a way of receding from consideration. Yep. Our common law is not about logic, dadgummit. Our common law is about fact. We don't ask the jurors to be to be logicians. We ask them to tell us what the facts are. Now, they may use logic, but you don't have to teach people to do that. Birds are born to fly. Horses are born to run. Beasts of prey are born to ferocity. Hounds are born to hunt. And men are born to think. That means they, they're rational. They use logic. That's what they do. You can't stop a man from using logic. And every man educated, even in the jungles of deep, dark New Guinea, logic pervades the cannibal's mind. Everything he does is governed by logic, but he is more interested in doing what he must do. His job is to discover fact, logic, and natural. Man, don't tell me it doesn't. You don't have to teach logic. Go to law school. They don't teach classes on logic. Why? Because that's part of who you are. Don't don't get sucked off into believing. You got to learn logic. Uh, you may learn the rules of logic. All you're doing is putting labels on them. You use it every day. Logic is who you are. Relax. And when you uh, when you're freed up and you have uh, your mind is free from evil, you'll get the facts. You'll want the facts. Well, what are the facts here? Just uh, Sergeant Friday. Just the facts, ma'am. That's just all I want. The facts. The facts. Yep. You give the jury the facts, they'll they'll figure it out. You give I give you the facts, you'll figure it out. Trouble with people is trouble with all of us to varying degrees is we got the wrong facts. Our logic <laughs> may be impeccable, probably is. Most logic is pretty square of most men. Um, women, oh shoot, you talk about logic. Women are more logical than men by a thousand times. More intense, more focused. Trouble with women is they have trouble finding the facts even more than the men. They're they're more easily dissuaded. They're more easily distracted by charm from evidence. But once they get whatever they've got, they think is the fact their logic is impeccable. That's what they bring to the mix, by the way. But the men, the Bible tells us, have the greater discernment for fact. Um, that's not me speaking. That's God speaking. You can talk with him about it if you want to discuss it with him. That's what the Bible says. It says it clearly, unambiguously, in many different places. It's illustrated. It's said forthrightly and point blank. But that's why it's important, guys. If Brent, you got a wife. Can you share where you got a, that you is? you got a wife. You listen, listen, listen to your wife. She can figure things out when she's got the facts. Uh, somebody want to say something. Mark, Mark has got a question for you. I just, I was wondering where that is so I can read that. In the Bible. Uh, oh, about women and men? Yeah, right. it's the verse. You can get on the internet and do a search and look for the verse that where Paul the Apostle says the the uh, the man having greater discernment. He's speaking of Adam and Eve, our grandma and grandpa in the garden. That's what happened there. It's illustrated right up front. But Paul the Apostle reaches back and, uh, and makes that point. If you type in greater discernment, the man has greater discernment, something like that, it'll come right up. I'm satisfied. But Paul the Apostle makes that point, and it's illustrated throughout the Bible. That's important. If we don't understand what we're good at, what are women good at? Logic. What are men are good at? What are men good at? Discernment. You know, I said, that was been a couple of years ago now. I was on some presentation. <laughs> I was saying that. You're just teaching the Bible. It's what the Bible says, you know. And, boy, this one gal says, uh, boy, you know how to take the wind out of my sails and the air out of my balloons. And, uh, and she had been saying that she had the gift of discernment. And uh, 
I have never, and I've been around Christian folk all my life, all different kinds and sizes and shapes and labels. I've never heard a man say he had the gift of discernment. I've heard hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of women say they had the gift of discernment. Isn't that something? The Bible says just the opposite. And that's the way it usually is. What we would normally think, uh, it's, uh, the truth is often, often just the opposite if you know what God said. And to know that is to know the strength and the weakness of the difference between the two and to utilize it to our advantage. That's why I say to men, listen to your wives. If they've got the right fact, you're not going to beat them on logic. They're going to they're going to run with it. Now, take, for example, Eve, our grandma in the garden. She saw the fruit of the forbidden fruit, as it's called sometimes, on the tree of knowledge of good and evil. She saw three things about it. She said, that's pretty. She said, not only that, it's good for food. And it the, the snake told her it would make one wise. Well, who was fooled there? Who did the snake concentrate on? He's not stupid. He's not stupid. He concentrated on the one of the two in the, in the mix that didn't have discernment as much. And so he charmed her. And he fooled her. And here's what happened. Then the man, her husband, our grandpa, he followed his wife into hell. That's what happened. Now, whose fault was it, though? God tells us clearly at the end of that narrative, that record, he says to the man, because you followed your wife, this has happened. Man was not plunged into depravity, total depravity and hell and darkness when Eve did what she did. And by the way, that's still true today, friends. Uh, Go to the Bible. This plays out through the whole Bible. How many Israelites perished in the wilderness? I'll tell you exactly how many. In 40 years, their carcasses fell in the wilderness. God killed them. How many? Uh, 603,548. Exactly. It was the militia of the 12 tribes of Israel was 603,000 coming out of Egypt, 603,550. Two of members of the militia, namely, one was an Israelite and one wasn't, by the way, Joshua was an Israelite, and Caleb, Caleb was not an Israelite. Those two men went into the land as spies with uh, ten others as the spies to to re, to uh, reconnaissance the land, bring back information before they conquered it. And two of them said, hey, we don't care how many giants are there, we don't care how big they are, God's with us, so let's go. And the other ten, ten said, oh, no, 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 this is too dangerous, we can't go. This These people are scary. They got walls on their cities that are high. These people are nine foot tall. It was just too scary. And they started, then they started murmuring in the tents. Did the girls murmur with them? The women? Sure. Murmuring in the tents, it says. Not making speeches in front of them, just murmuring among themselves. Murmuring, complaining. Well, why did Moses bring us, out, bring us out here? We had it pretty good down in Egypt. At least we had three square, three meals a day, even if it was leeks and onions. We had something to eat. We didn't even have water out here. God listened to that for a while, and he said they were eight days from the land that he had deeded over to them by the book of Deuteronomy. And then for 40 years, he said, you're going to wander circles in the Arabian desert for 40 years until you learn to trust me. And all those that didn't trust me, by the way, the members of the militia, 20 years old and upward, the men, not the women, I'm going to slay them in the wilderness until I purge this kind of filth out from among my people Israel. And he did. He killed them all. 
by the time they went into the promised land, there was a whole new crop. Forty years later, we got to be 20 years old to be at the age of responsibility. They were militiamen, had a whole new crop of militiamen 40 years later, between ages 20 and 40, had almost 603,000, had 601,000, over 601,000. That's what they conquered the land with. Well, what was the difference there? Did God slay the women that murmured in the tents? No. Why? They're not responsible. Men were responsible. Have you figured that out? I'm trying to make it clear what the Bible says. That's that's a heavy burden, and it's a scary responsibility. We're responsible. I don't care what your wife does. I don't care how nasty she is. I don't care, and God doesn't either. He says, I don't care. He says, you're responsible for what goes on. And you better not back up. You better stand your ground. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care what your wife and children do. You better not budge. I had a guy tell me, I was thinking of this yesterday, Roger. He's a partner in the mining business. He was the same age as my dad. He was born in 1926. And he was quite the guy. But he said to me, hey, Brent, he said, don't ever forget. We were trying to do some business deals. He kind of took me under his wing. He said, don't ever forget. He said, women control half of the money in the world. That's right. But he said, more importantly, they control all. They control all of the sex. I said, I never thought of that, Dale. He said, oh, yeah, you need to think about that. And by the way, that's why men give in to their wives, understandably so, I suppose, in many ways. But you can't do that, friends. It's a disobedience to God to follow your wife, period. It's disobedience to follow any woman, men. And it's disobedience for women to be following women. And that's what we're faced with today, isn't it? Women will uh, God rule. God makes it clear. The Bible's clear. I'm just repeating what he says. Go ahead. Women, Go ahead. women will rule over Sorry. you, and children will be your oppressors. And that's from Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. The sign of our demise is uh, men following women. That's right. And it's never changed. That's the first story in the Bible for a reason. Story? No, it's a record of what happened. Uh, and it's repeated, the principle is repeated throughout. That's why Paul the Apostle says, I do not allow, I do not allow women to speak in the assembly. Now, not, not a, lot, a lot of reasons are given, but I can tell you from experience why that works out that way. Because when women speak in the assembly, men do not want to fight with women. It seems beneath them, don't, don't tell me it doesn't, that's what men think. Yeah. I'm not going to fight with her. And men recede from the field. There will be no male uh, leadership where men, where women speak in the assembly. People say, well, that just applies to the, the church. No, no, no. It applies everywhere. It applies everywhere. Uh, why aren't men leaders? And women like it when men are leaders. I know they do. Of course they do. It's natural. Why aren't they? Why are women overtaking Congress? Why? Because the men have receded from the field. Amen. No men, no more. You can't do that and get away with it. You, you can't. And the Bible says stand your ground, and that stand, that starts at home. Um, I have no illusions that I'm getting through to anybody. I have no illusions it's going to happen. I do know this, Roger, just like all the other things we're talking about. It, we're just supposed to speak the truth. And God tells us the truth about how we work. He's the one that made us. He made, you know, you buy a car, you get an owner's manual. We got an owner's manual. You buy a gun, you get an owner's manual. You buy a, a garden tiller, you get an owner's manual. God made us, he gives us an owner's manual. I read it. Now, people say, I don't agree. Well, I'll just tell you what it says. You can do with what you want with it. I'm not here to convince you. 
as I said before, I am fully convinced I'm speaking to the cubic foot of air in front of my face in most cases. But that doesn't change my responsibility. And that's why I talk. I love the Bible, Roger. And I love, I, I, I'm addicted to it. I want to know what it says. And right. if you're God's man and God's woman, God will give you a new desire and you will want more than anything in the world, including more than food and drink. You'll want to know what God said. And if you don't want that, that that's evidence you're not born up. You know, and Brent, if you don't accept what it says, clearly what it says, that's more evidence you're not born up. Go ahead, Roger. I've heard it say that Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Yeah, that's a, nice, that's a nice analogy. Of course, it doesn't mean that, but that helps remind us that nothing wrong with that. You know, Roger, I was reading, been reading one of my favorite books in the Bible is, uh, oh, I got a lot of favorite books, but First John, the first epistle of John, I just keep coming back to it because it's fundamental. It's black and white. There are no gray areas. That's not his personality, John the Apostle. He, he just says it, bam, bam, bam. It has a simple vocabulary of 242 root words by my count in the Greek, Greek, Greek words. I've gone through it and through it and through it. I know it well. I want to know it better. I've read it probably hundreds of times. One of the things that I noticed there that he, what he gives us, that whole book is about how do you know if you're born up? How do you know if you're born from above? How do you know somebody else is or they aren't? And here's what he says. I write these things. This is in the fourth verse, just starting out. I write these things to you that you may no. He uses that phrase, uh, sometimes worded a little different, exactly 25 times in five short chapters. I write these things to you that you may know. Know what? Know if you're born up, if you're born from above. How do you know? Well, like everything else you know, you know by evidence, not by logic. Once you get the facts, once you get the evidence, then you can get the facts. Once you got the facts, then the logic can begin, and it will begin. Don't worry about it. God made you that way. Uh, men have to work at it harder than women, as I said a while ago. Why? Because the woman's mind is more focused. That's why, guys, when you were in grade school and you were in the second grade, and you were trying to do your arithmetic, and uh, the girls were making straight A's, some of them, and, and you couldn't sit still in your chair. You wanted to grab your glove and go pay, play baseball outside. You couldn't wait till that recess period. There's a difference here. Uh, women are wired different. The girls are. Why? Well, because they've got a different job to do. That's why. And we got a different job to do. So we got to work at logic. But it is true that the great logicians of the world, once men work at it, are men, not women. That's always been true. Well, why is that? Because women are focused on, are, women are focused on practicality more than men. Men are always up in their head thinking, uh, talk, talking abstractly and thinking abstractly. And the one thing, you know, all the college entrance exams that people take, the one area where women never excel, no matter how much they ace, every other part of the college entrance exams, the SAT test, all that, the one place that they don't excel is abstract thought. That's the one place. They can excel every place else. And better than men, by the way. As I said a while ago, they have their strength. But abstract thought, no, that belongs to the man. That's why Kipling wrote uh, about the man at the end of that, that poem that Roger, the female of the species. I love that poem. He wrote, I uh, love that. When it, when it comes, when, that man, the, when man the coward, he's talking about the male, not the female, man the coward gathers to confer 
with his fellow braves in council, dare not leave a place for her. Where at war, he is at war with life and conscience, and he uplifts his erring hands. Now here's the phrase I want to get at. To some God of abstract justice, which no woman understands. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Uh, men want to worship a God of abstract justice. That's why we have all these secret societies out here. That's abstract justice. That means it doesn't work. What do women bring to reality in life? Women bring practicality, and a lot of it, by the way. I was told in politics early on, I used to go to seminars in Washington, D.C. <laughs> they were free, and the party put them on. I had one guy stood up. He had been in politics all his life, and he said, if you can't listen to me, well, we're, he was talking about getting elected. He said, if you can't tell the women in your district something that will help them get through their day today, they won't vote for you. I found that to be true. Women are practical and they're concerned about getting things done. They're task oriented in ways. In politics, we used to have a say in Roger in politics. We called it the five W's and it's still true. It will always be true. The five W's. The five W's of politics are, are this. That's an acronym, acronym is what they call it. Like you said about the Bible, you know, it stands for something. Five W's in politics are when women work, we win. When women work, we win. Because in politics, men don't work. What do they do? They sit around and talk about politics. They talk about politics. What do women do? They work. They put things together. They make stuff happen. Because they're what? They're practical. Men are sitting around being abstract. They want to just talk about theory. Well, is that bad? No, that's an important consideration. There never has been, Roger. Never has been a woman theologian in the history of the world. There have been some that have claimed to be. It didn't amount to anything. Never has been one. Never has been a woman philosopher of any note in the history of the world. Never a woman philosopher, a woman theologian. Why? Because that's abstract thought. It doesn't, it doesn't help anybody get through their day to day. It doesn't practical. It doesn't get anything done. I mean, uh, they may read it, they may understand it. It's not that they can't do it. That's not the point. They're just not going to be inclined in that direction. Even though they can do it, they're not going to be inclined to, and they won't. No, they'll find something that's practical to do. Well, these are things out of the Bible, and of course, I can observe them and see them. But over the years, I've come to understand and realize there's a difference between men and women. God made it that way, and to ignore it is is to drive a dagger into the heart of your own country. Ignore, and we're doing that. Ignore it. At your, ignore it at your and peril. The Empire loves it. Go ahead, Roger. Ignore it at your peril. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah oh yeah. You know the um, most fundamental thing. I want to get back to First John, though. Simple things. How do you know? That you're born from above. And he says, I write these things to you that you may know. He says it over and over. Then he gives you another test. It's first John is a series of tests whereby you may know. And that word know is important. Gnosko. It means to know firsthand by experience, to know by sensory perception. It's not oida. There's two words in the New Testament translated no, and they stress two different things. Synonyms that stress two different things. One stresses knowing by experience. How do you know by experience? By obeying the will of God, which is his law. Learning it, you got to learn it first. You want to learn it if you're born above, then doing it. But the other word, oida, in its root form, it, it stresses uh, reckoning. Reckoning, that means logic. Reasoning, rationality from what? Evidence. 
evidence. One stress is reasoning from evidence. Evidence is fact. The other one stresses just knowing by experience. Well, how do you know? I tell the story about the time we came home. It was uh, snow was just getting ready to fly. We live up on the hill on the other side of the creek, North Fork Dam Brawl. We come across and the snow was getting ready to fly. It was getting pretty cold, but there were still leaves on the trees, but the leaves were falling off. And we noticed a giant three lobed honeycomb hanging on a limb of a tree after the leaves fell off right by the entrance to the little iron bridge there in the creek bottom. Three lobes, four foot long. Wow. The big lobe was four foot long and about four, three or four foot wide. The second lobe was smaller than one on top of that was smaller. Holy mackerel. Well, we ran up to the house, got the saw, my granddad, my dad, my brothers and I got the saw. We sawed that thing off and hauled it up in the back of the pickup truck, laid it behind the house and smoked the bees. They were, it was getting chilly and they were pretty docile. And we harvested the whole thing. I told a biology professor at the university about it. I had a class there. I told him about it. He said that didn't happen. I said, well, I, well, we were there. And he said, no, it didn't happen. So why do you say that? I kind of hurt my feelings, you know. I said, why did you say that? He said, because it can't happen. It's against uh, logic, and uh, and uh, bees don't do that. He was trying to be uh, pro- professorial. I said, but I saw it. We harvested it. We ate it. It was hanging on a limb out in the open. He said, no, bees will never build combs out in the open. They always build them inside a tree. So I, I don't know. That didn't happen. Now, what's the matter with that bozo? Well, what's the matter with him is he doesn't have the decency to accept evidence. Evidence is always a matter of words, always. There may be tangible evidence, but if you have a smoking gun in a murder case, it's not evidence unless somebody with words can substantiate what it is. Evidence always comes back to words. That's why the Bible is so important. It's a, it's a record of evidence, as it says, the law and the evidence, uh, Isaiah speaking. So he, he was stuck on logic. And he wouldn't accept the evidence that I was presenting to him. I said, I, I finally said, I came, I can produce witnesses. I said, I don't care. He said, I know more about it than you do. That was his attitude. Mm. I didn't mm. know much about it at all, but I know what I've seen. I saw it and I ate it. I tasted it. I saw it. I even got a couple of stings from the bees when we were trying to harvest it. That was worth it to me and everybody else. Well, that's what we want to be careful about. Now, um, John says, I write these things to you that you may know, and he presents test one, two, three. The chief and foremost test of whether or not a man or a woman is born from above, is born up, is this according to the Bible, according to the clear black and white writing called First John. The number one piece of evidence is this. Does he or she take pains to safeguard the words of the Bible? That's what he says. What does that mean? Roger, am I still on? You're on, Brent. Oh, good. What does that mean to safeguard? Well, he tells us he's repeating a principle from the law of God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, the first few verses, it says, Do not add to... Do not take away from this law. And then the end of the Bible, it says, if you add to or take away from this book, which would add to or take away from the whole Bible, uh, he will add to you. If you're, if you're a person that does that, it's not a 
cause and effect deal. It's evidence of who you are. If you're a person that does that, then he will add to you the plagues. That's proof that he will add to you the plagues written in this book. This is no small thing. Again, friends, you see, people say, why do you do what you do? Because words are the thing the evil empire fears. Words of God are his sword to destroy the evil empire. Yep. It's a two-edged sword, sharp on both edges. It cuts going and coming. As my friend out in California used to say, he lived on the street. He'd talk about razor blades that cut three ways, Roger. Three ways. I said, what, what's that? He said, long, deep, and continuously. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what the Bible is. Well, and it cuts, it cuts every which way. Oh. It's dangerous to our enemies. And wait, on, one more thing, then I'll quit. So the old translations say, keep the word of God, and people assume that means to obey it. That is not what it means. Keep is an old English word that means safeguard. Uh, they, in, in the noun form, it means a castle. That's the keep. They used to call it the keep. Oh, okay. And in the in the verb form, it means to safeguard. Do not add to, do not take away. Because if you add to it, if you add to it, you're taking away something else from it. You're you're lessening, you're watering it down. If you take away from it, something else will come and add to it. Don't add the Book of Mormon to it. Don't add the decretals of the popes to it. Don't add the Jehovah Witnesses watchtower to it. Do not add the Mary Baker Eddy's keys to the scripture to it. Do not add any present day prophet that you watch on the internet to it. No, 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 no. You do that and the plagues that are written in that collection of writings and the books of judgment will be added. Well, it's not cause and effect. Again, it's just evidence. If you're somebody that's doing that, that's what's going to happen to you. That's it. You're outlawed and you're open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do, as it says in Hebrews. You're open and naked. Well, Roger, that's what I'm going to say. You want to say something? There are a couple of things that I thought of while you're talking. Uh, One of the recent Bidenisms that I've heard was he said, we concentrate on the truth, not the facts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, you're in politics. People don't think. You don't have time to think in politics. Those fellows that are in office have one, and gals now have one thing on their minds and one thing only. And if they don't have that on their minds, uh, they won't stay in politics. And what is it? Staying in office. Yep. That's like George Bush. I remember. Oh, is it, well, first I'll go to Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford really said this. And he was vice president, then became president, remember, under Nixon. He said at a, at a Lincoln Day dinner, when he was asked to speak, that Abraham Lincoln was a man who lived in a log cabin he built with it. No, he was born in a log cabin. He was born in a log cabin that he built with his own hands. <laughs> I had to stop and re- reconfigure my thinking to get that one. Out. I guess so. And then they asked, they asked, uh, I remember George Bush was running for vice president with, uh, what's that fellow? He's, well, whoever it was. Oh, Reagan. And uh, he was on uh, an airplane. I think it was the I don't know presidential plane or something. And the newspaper reporter or the reporter was there. One of the television networks said, uh, "Well, where are you going now?" He said, "Well, after this, we're going to go uh, quail hunt." He said, "Oh," he said, uh, "You believe in shooting helpless quail?" Maybe he's trying to pander to the environmentalist and the animal rights people. 
And he said, he said, you know, some people don't believe in killing animals. And I heard him say this when he said it. And George Bush said, well, he said, uh, I don't think uh, quails are animals. That's what he said. That's called just saying stupid stuff. He didn't care what he said. Uh, that's the way it is in politics. And you don't have time when you're in politics to read a book. Believe me, they read no books. If they do, it's just in passing. They're trying to. They don't get it done. They, they don't have time. That's they're not, answering to everybody, and they're trying to stay in office. That's not true. Yeah, George W. Bush read a book on television, and he read it upside down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're not reading nothing. They don't have time. <laughs> I, I understand the nature of it. When I was in politics, I didn't read anything. I didn't have time. I was pushing, pushing, pushing at every point, fighting a, a battle. And they, the competition is stiff. The evil empire doesn't read anything. And you got to keep up with them. And it's nothing more, nothing more than an overblown popularity contest. You want people to know your name. And that's all you're concentrating on. If you have name recognition more than the other fella, you'll win. And you buy that with money. You can buy it with, if you've got enough money, I don't care who you are. You're going to win the election. That's the way it works. Now, there's some people that, win it and don't have as much money as the other fellow, but still it's a matter of having money and buying name recognition. And if people recognize your name, you I remember when I was running, uh, Bill Clinton had uh, over 98% name recognition. And I, and the only people in my congressional district that had, or the fellow that had the next best name recognition was me. I had 93% and I know how I got it. I got it. By spending money. And how do you get money? Well, you got to stay on the move, work hard, and never sleep. Hardly. That's the only way to do it. So that's how what politics is. Recognize it for what it is. There is no justice in it. Justice is only something that you get, you get on the individual level, and you can only get that in the courts. That's where our powers that be are supposed to provide that opportunity. That's fast going away. By the way, because of the, the difference of men and women, I've, I've seen this in court. I've seen, I've been up against women in two cases, uh, other lawyer, uh, other women. Now I'm not saying men don't do this, but in both cases, they, uh, one of them got caught signaling the witness. I, I'll never forget that. You don't do that kind of stuff. No, so no. Got caught. I mean, point blank judge was watching it. Yeah. And the other one, the other one just, uh, well, it got worse. I don't want to talk about what happened in that case. Uh, it, it comes to intrigue and reverse uh, rela- sexual relationships, all sorts of crazy things go on. All those kind of things are the reasons why God draws distinctions between the two and said, now here's what we do. By the way, there's, there's no, no decent place in the, in the courts for the female of the species. It's brutal. I don't want my daughters or my wife any other women that I respect to go into a place like that. Neither do I want them to go to war. I had a guy the other day, Roger, I went to a military reunion. Some of the guys, I hadn't seen them in 45 years, and I went back, and I was hesitant. I didn't know what would happen. It was one of the most refreshing, enjoyable things I've done in my entire life. Really? To see those guys. They're only about oh, less than a dozen of us, but we were the ones that were close at that time. And I was coming out of a restaurant. We went and ate breakfast together one of the mornings we were there. And, and I saw a fellow there who asked me what we were doing. I got to talking to him, and there was another man sitting there. And I don't know how it came up, something about women in the military. And uh, he said, well, now, some of these women are real brave. I said, look, all women are brave that I know. I mean, how much bravery does it take to face death every time you have a baby? 
that takes a lot of bravery. And that women by nature are more loyal and more brave than men. There's no question about it. And more, uh, more tolerant of pain for good reasons. God uh, made them that way. But they're not stupid as men are. You know, of the 300, Roger, there were about, I think 300, uh, right at 300 men died in the Twin Towers back in the year, was it 1999, 02, whatever it was back then. 300 firemen, 300 firemen died in the Twin Towers running into the building with the idea they were going to rescue people. Right. And about a third of the firefighters on the scene were female, and not one female died in the Twin Towers trying to rescue people. Not one. Why? Because they're not that stupid. And God has so wired them to preserve their bodies, and for a good reason. Anyway, this fellow said to me, he said, well, women, you got to give them credit. And I said, well, you can if you want. Maybe you're one of those, maybe you're one of those kind of fellows that would send your wrife and your daughters in your place to catch bullets and shrapnel. Are you one of those fellows? I said, that's sick. He didn't say a word. What could he say? There's something sick about men who would promote such an evil, cruel idea. And that's what they do. That's what men are doing today in America. And that is, it's not, and again, who's going to answer for it? Not the women, the men. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. That's the balance of the situation. That's what's not being taught. And when I look around, I see men paying for it. And women, though, get caught up in it, but they're not the problem. I keep telling people, I keep telling when I teach, women are not the problem here. Men are the problem. They're not taking up their responsibilities. I'm just repeating what God says. Have I got something else that's worthwhile to do? No. And by the way, you can scream and holler, not you, Roger, but ever, you can scream and holler about government. Now the cows come home and how terrible it all is and all the terrible things that are happening. And not pay any attention to your own relationship with your own wife. Not pay any attention to encouraging that the proper relationship between men and women. And government will never get better because the foundation of all government is the among men is the relationship between a man and a woman. Period. No exceptions. And until there's a critical mass in America that practices that, now we're back to practicality. See, you got to get off the abstract. You talk it over. But don't get into the paralysis of analysis. Then you got to do something. You got to do it. Well, Think know, about it. Do it. I can see that and reflected. The government, when the government, yeah, I'm sorry to step on you there, Brent, but I can see it reflected here in what we do. You know, from the standpoint I've been in this thing for so many years. And back in the old days, we were talking earlier about our weekly meetings there in Atlanta, Citizens for Constitutional Georgia, and you'd have guys and bring their wives. Some of them. Very few single women ever showed up at there, and uh, and yet today, a, a large part of our audience here is these females coming to the forefront. Okay, and you can hear them on the show on a regular basis. They're stepping forward, and I want to know this. And it, we're, and uh, certainly some of the guys do too. But it's just an interesting ratio that I've seen and noticed. We've commented on it here on before of how many more females are being attracted to the message. Here, uh, a couple of years ago, there was I saw a clip out of Europe where there was a couple of females, and they, you know, uh, all of them are getting raped over there, you know, uh, all the time. And the girls are going, where are the men? Where are the men? I heard something the other day is very interesting. Did you hear about the incident? This is a couple of years ago on New Year's Eve in Cologne 
where and i didn't know it was this extent you know there were some some women raped and harassed at, at the open new year's eve uh festivities you know how many two thousand how many two thousand two thousand well, men or the women. more that uh, men do not do their duty right and the more that women are pushed to the forefront and the more a voice they have there are going to be more rapes and more child molestation right. and you know that's what happened what's happen to happen continue to get worse yeah that's, the, that's the, history it's well, always been that well, way. let me let me change. let me button this up for right. you it even gets worse the feminist organizations in cologne went to the migrant camps and gave them flowers they showed no compassion for the raped women no and um well god is not going to bless disobedience god doesn't bless brains in the sense oh i'm smart i'm no no he blesses your respect for him and respect for him means you strive to learn deuteronomy learn the will of god safeguard it from addition or subtraction in this record and do it. That's what he blesses. It's an attitude. And he will curse a nation that ignores fundamental. I'm talking fundamental. This isn't complicated. This is the law of God. It's fundamental. And it comes down to a man and a woman and the relationships and how God has ordered the differences between the, 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 the sexes. And the child molestation is on the rise. Rape is on the rise. Abuse of women is on the rise. Why? Well, as I said, men are going to be responsible. But gals, you gals out there, encourage men. How many churches have I been in? It starts here, too. Family, church. You go to church, and women run the church. Yep. Why is that? Well, that's because the men don't. And they, being loyal, saying, we got to get the job done. Somebody's got to do something. They step, they become the song leaders. They become the ones that organize this and do that. Well, that's nice that they're there, but they've, the men have stepped clear out of position. And they're intimidated, of course, by the women. Naturally so. Men are scared of women a lot of times. Why? Well, they're powerful creatures and they're, they're just so attractive sometimes it scares men. <laughs> that's true too. They're fascinated by them. But the abuse will continue. Well, Roger, I've said you, enough. We're getting out right, of well, the show. Well, let me I, ask you a question, Brent. I've been wanting to ask you this, okay? Because you might can give us an answer, all right? God in his sense of humor, huh? Um, in the entire animal kingdom, in the entire animal kingdom, the male is always the more attractive of the species, with the exception of us. Why did he do that? Yeah. I think he's making a point. I think he's making a point that we are the crowning of his creation. And you're right. You're right. Boy, girls are pretty, aren't they? Attractive to men and to no end. And they're not only beautiful of, uh, of appearance, they're beautiful and they're curious of, of, uh, behavior. Men are fascinated by them, rightly so. That's why we're here, because our fathers were fascinated with our mothers. <laughs> That's how it all happens. And if a, if a man is going to, if a man is married, that is. And if you're not married, that's a different, different, uh, different thing you got to do. But if a man is married, if he is married and he doesn't pick up his responsibility, he will be castrated to that degree in, in his power to affect what God wants. You know, in some cases, Roger, let's get uh, down to the bottom line. And I'm old enough; I see it, and I'm. It's reality. If you do what's right, Roger. If any of us do what's right. 
We're going to find out. We didn't have as many friends as we thought we did. Boy, isn't that That's the truth? Gonna you're going to find out. You're going to find yeah, out who your friends friend. were and who your acquaintances were. Yeah. When I ran for office and everybody thought I was going to win, um, we spent a lot of money and it was five years of hard full time effort. And uh, got up the next morning and after I lost, I lost. Got up the next morning, I got a letter from a fellow down along the Wabash River. Right, he grew up right across from Red where Red Skelton was from, Vincennes, Indiana. And uh, he was a curious character like Red. I, uh, I equate the two in that way. He just, in politics, in the state house, he was always, he loved politics. He just passed away here a few years ago. He almost made 100 years old. But the next morning, he wrote me a letter. And uh, it was on his letterhead. He was a lawyer down there, too. And... Uh, he just said this. He scribbled on his on the page. He said, "Brent, you got just as many friends today as you had yesterday before the election." That's all he said. And don't think I'll don't think I'll ever forget that. I'll never forget it. That I knew those kind of things were true. But he drove it home to me that um, there are a lot of fair weather friends in this world. By the way, the New Testament has a word that means fair weather friend. And Jesus Christ uses it often, by the way. When he met Judas, when Judas came to him, one of the 12 members of the 12-man jury subpoenaed to witness the evidence of his identity. When he came to him with um, the Judiacs and all their henchmen and the Roman soldiers at nighttime and held out his hand, the word more likely means to shake the hand or hug than it does to kiss. People talk about a kiss. The Greek word means to press. You know, we even say today, press the flesh. Right. That means shake hands. And the word that's used there means to press. Well, you can press your lips on somebody's forehead and kiss them. Uh, but whatever, whatever it was, it was a, an affectionate gesture he made toward Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said to him, fair-weather friend. You know, the translations just say friend. <laughs> but in our in our language, we'd say fair weather friend, acquaintance, as you put it. But the English would be fair weather friend. Well, what are you, what's going on here? What are you doing here in the dark in this orchard with me? Of course, Jesus Christ knew what he was doing. Jesus Christ gave himself up for murder by his own will. It was all in his what he agreed to do before eternity passed. It says, well. Roger, I have a question. I want to say a few words. Oh, all right. We've got a question. Well, let, me, we, let me get this out. We want let Brent to get his contact stuff, too. Go, go ahead. We can I hang around. Because I just got a message said, I'm sorry, Roger, what's that? I said, go ahead and give your contact info. We can hang around to deal with the questions oh, after the show yeah. is over. Yeah. I just got a message that said, give out your contact or your blurb. Go to commonlawyer.com, www.commonlawyer.com. Join us for our Magna Carta, cause by cause and blow by blow. And when you do that, you you fuel what we're doing. And you'll get the blessing. You'll get the blessing. And if you think I'm offering anything worthwhile, support what I do. And I only tell you that because the Bible says that. Uh, I've never taken up an offering, but I, it is my responsibility to teach the Bible. I'm, I'm telling you what it says. And the man that teaches, if you think, it's up to you. If you think that... Uh, I'm teaching the Bible, then you have an affirmative duty, according to the Bible, to to pay double. Whatever you think ought to get, double it. Not me, but what we're doing. And there's a team of us here that are doing these things, and we cover your support, but we don't want to give it to you. 
unless we give you something in appreciation that's of value. And so what, if you join the, the Magna Carta course, you get the course. And there are other courses, courses on contract, courses on the law of evidence at common law, contracts at common law. I even have a course out there, I think it's up, I'll have to check, called uh, Patriot Mythology. Well, we were weeks on Patriot Mythology. I'll bet. Yeah, that was fun. Probably well, months. We got all sorts of law courses up there. Winter's in. What's that, Roger? Probably months. What's that? Probably months on Patriot <laughs> Mythology. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we went quite a while, but there's other things I understand now that I didn't understand then. There's so much of it out there, and that's some of what we talked about today. Um, to think that, well, let's keep going. So, And also, look. Excellence of the common law, comparative law text, 958 pages, comparing and contrasting our law of the land, our common law, with the law of the city, which governs almost the entire world. And what's the differences between those two? What is our common law? How do you define it? Who have you heard that's really given you a solid definition? A lot of people have said to me, Roger, they get that book. They said, finally, I can get my teeth into what the common law is. Because our common law evades Definition. So how do you teach it? There's only one way to teach the common law, and it's never been any different. And comparative lawyers have recognized this for centuries, from the 13th century forward. I can go back that far, and sometimes, well, Alfred the Great, even beyond that, he talked about it. The only way you can understand it is compare and contrast it with this great antagonist. There is no other way. If you're not teaching the law of the city to show the differences that you're teaching what the law of the land is, or common law, then you'll never see it. It's not seeable. And well, that's what we've done. You also can get uh, the uh, good book uncooked. Uh, a common lawyer translates and annotates the Bible from the original tongue, the Chaldee and the Hebrew and the Greek, and uh, th- over 35,000 footnotes explaining in many cases why I translated the way I did, over 150 appendices. You can go and uh, see major themes, the first principles that weave through the warp and the woof and the text of the context of this collection of writings with these evidentiary writings we call the Bible. And understand, too, why they're reliable. As 